Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. One of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As Drew Allen. Conservative. I look into this guy for wisdom. Well, welcome to the Drew Allen Show. I am, of course, your host, the Millennial Minister of Truth. Uh, I am living proof that men uh, are not yet extinct in America. You know, Captain, I was watching, um, I think it was 1883 or 1887, I forget, but it's one of the prequels to um, Yellowstone. Have you seen that? Well, it's it's like 10 episodes. It's just one season. It's, it's, a, it's a limited run series. And, it, well, one, it's just amazing filmmaking the story's incredible um my wife was crying throughout most of the episodes and it just it just watching that and watching and and what i like about it is it's a very honest it doesn't romanticize the west it doesn't romanticize that period in american history but it really captures the grit how difficult things were, the hardship that people just faced in their daily lives, how lucky you were to really even be alive and uh, to make it. And and look, I mean, a lot of people die throughout that that series. But I'm watching this and I'm thinking, you know, these are these are, you know, our ancestors. You know, these are the immigrants that came here from all over the world, toughed it out and made it in America and all of of those, I mean, just unlivable circumstances by standards today. And I look at the debates we're having now. It made me think honestly of what happened in the House recently with the, the media losing their minds. You know, I, just, just telling us it was the end of the world. This is not becoming of us, that we actually have to vote 15 times to, you know, elect a speaker finally. And how far we've fallen, how far we have fallen. And really, the American people, look, I got to tell you, we all better toughen up for what's ahead because the decisions that we have to make as a country to not just survive but thrive again are going to be difficult, going to be difficult. And, uh, you know, every day the left makes, uh, you know, new converts to, to their weakling army, you know, the snowflakes and so on and so forth. So we better toughen up. And, you know, this, this, my audience, this show is for the tough only. Let me tell you that right now. You know, there's no weaklings here. This is the Drew Allen show, uh, Texan by birth, living in the soft state of California here. But anyway, so, you know, I get, you know, I just, I just looked, of course, and, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff, they are calling for criminal investigations into Trump again. It's not about his taxes. It's not about J6. No, no, no. They want criminal investigations into Trump. Before it was Trump-Russia collusion, right? That's how this all started. Now it is uh, Trump-Bolsonaro collusion, apparently, in Brazil. This guy's not the president of the United States. He's not making policy decisions. He's certainly not indicative of the deep state. But they want criminal investigations. I guess they are accusing Trump of somehow being involved, not just in the phony J6 insurrection that wasn't, but now... Donald Trump apparently has some involvement in what's happening all the way in Brazil. Are these people not insane, Captain? These people are nuts. But, you know, of course, this is just one more thing. Yes, they're nuts. Yes, they want to keep the, uh, you know, the lens focused on Donald Trump. They want to do everything they can to give the media something to cover so they don't have to cover what the House will hopefully be up to investigating the Democrats and their corruption and wrongdoing. But it's just, I don't know. I don't know. It's just mind-boggling. I mean, imagine if, I mean, the Democrats are the party of conspiracy theorists. They really are. They are the party of conspiracy theorists. So here they go again. Captain, will you hit the, uh, get the uh, timer running for me? Um, but anyway, before I get into that, you know, I, look, you're going to have to come back tomorrow. I'm going to hit the Bolsonaro stuff, what's going on in Brazil, uh, hard tomorrow. But I want to get into some other things here, here first. Um, you know, before I get into some of my thoughts and observations about what's happening in the house, uh, about, you know, Speaker McCarthy here, my concerns, my hopes, uh, what I've seen, um, you know, I get cut one ready captain. So, you know, Joe Biden on Sunday, he, he finally decided, uh, to go down and visit El Paso. Now he spent about three hours there, you know, for the past two years, almost 
he said that it, there were more important things to do. You know, he, he, remember this, by the way. You know, <laughs> this is the thing about these 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 Democrats who all have law degrees, right? <clears throat> um, it's it, you know it's supposed to give them some kind of credibility, some street cred, right? They're supposed to be intelligent because they went to law school. I mean, Joe Biden graduated nearly dead last in his law class. You know, seventy six or seventy fourth out of you know eighty some odd students. And his defense, remember, when he's been pressed about why he hasn't visited the border amidst, this is not hyperbole, by the way, amidst, amidst the worst illegal immigration crisis in American history. His defense coming from the lawyer Joe Biden is that there's more important things happening in America. And of course, they've denied that there's any crisis at the border whatsoever anyway, repeatedly. But now all of a sudden, I guess he's contradicted himself. He's decided to go down to the border and it was a photo op. It was a photo op. You know, there's a reason I'm playing this clip. This is from Casablanca. Well, I shouldn't have said it. I should have said maybe let's let's see. Let's date ourselves here. Let's see how many of you are film aficionados and nerds out there or just, you know, intelligent people uh, who, who are, you know, um, you know, abreast of, of, of history, cinema and all things uh, cultural. You know, I've always said this, by the way, Captain, too, you know, um, Yes, I'm a staunch conservative, but liberals and Democrats will find no one, no one on the right that they could possibly get along with better than me. I mean, I'm a film guy. I was a producer. I was an actor. I worked in Hollywood. I worked in fashion. I lived in Milan, Italy. I mean, aren't I checking off all the cultural boxes of the left? You know, I went to theater. I've been to the operas. You know, isn't this supposed to make me some kind of smart guy? But they think I'm dumb, I'm, I'm sure, you know. Uh, anyway, go ahead and play cut one. Go. Of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine. So, so, you know, he's talking about this girl who spells trouble for him, right? That's Bogert. You know, the, the, that's the whole source of the conflict of this movie. And he's, of course, pointing to the fact that of all the gin joints in all the world, this, this woman happens to walk into his in Casablanca, right? And so, you know, I, I thought of that movie clip because I thought with Joe Biden, you know, of, of all of the, um, <laughs> of all of the uh, um, uh, migrant processing detention centers in America, which are overflowing and crowded. Joe Biden just happens to go to the one migrant detention center that's totally empty. There's not a single illegal immigrant there. I mean, what, what, what are the odds? You know, but of course, with Casablanca, you know, uh, um, you know, it, it happens to be happenstance. With Joe Biden, of course, it's not happenstance at all. It, it's a setup. And, you know, I've got a... Um, I, I got an article I wrote. I'll send it over to you, Captain, too. You can post it. I don't know where it's going to go yet, but I've actually got it on my Substack. If you aren't a subscriber, you can go to DrewAllen.Substack.com. I highly recommend it. But anyway, so so he goes down to the border on Sunday. And, you know, he's got his gas-guzzling gas entourage there. No, no, no solar, no Teslas uh, in the Armada, I didn't see. Uh, no, no bulletproof Teslas, you know. They're all gas-guzzling vehicles. Um, so if, if, if it's hot in El Paso next summer, uh, I, I say it's because Joe Biden visited, uh, not to mention his breathless exhalations of CO2 that, that, that were unnecessary and unneeded, a, a complete waste of, of breath down there. But, um, so he goes down there and, and of course, very careful preparations were made in advance. You know, they wanted to curate this visit to ensure that this photo op, it was a propaganda, uh, a stop, uh, so that it, it, it really, it, it's like. Biden doesn't live in the real world, as you know. I mean, a lot of politicians don't. They're insulated from their constituents. Uh, they live in the D.C. bubble, the swamp, right? That's largely what contributes to these rhinos, even people who you, you think are devout, you know, staunch conservatives that you voted for, that you back at some point. Well, they spend enough time out there uh, and they don't live in reality anymore. And so Biden, of course, doesn't li live in reality. You know, there's no, you know, inflation's not a big deal. Gas prices aren't happening. Um, you know, I mean, you just go through the litany of lists. I mean, the guy just lives in some false world and, you know, he's been telling us that, you know, there's no, it's, there's not a big deal. The border's not open, my orcas and other people have said. And so, you know, really what this did, you know, they got all the migrants out of there. They cleared it out. So Biden goes down there 
And really, this visit for him reaffirmed the false reality, this fantasy land that he's been living in, touting all the time. But I mean, I mean, get this, just just some numbers to show what they had to have done to have have, have created this photo op. You know, there were hundreds of illegals sleeping in the streets of downtown El Paso, right? He didn't go downtown. He didn't want to see them, didn't want to face them. Uh, and there, there have been over the past few days, I'm talking, you know, prior to, to Biden's visit there, um, an average of 700 daily encounters recorded just over the past few days. So, I mean, 700 people are coming across the border there in El Paso and not a single one of them is in, the, is in this one facility that he goes to. And I mean, last November, I mean, the, the, the numbers really are astonishing. Uh, last November, there were four, more than 53,000 illegals encountered at the El Paso sector. That, that's one month, November. And, you know, uh, I mean, it's gotten worse since then. It's kind of ebbed and flowed. It's, it's really kept steady on the average. But, I mean, back in August of 2022, remember, uh, Representative Alex Mooney, he's a Republican out of West Virginia. Well, he tweeted out that there have now been 16 straight months of over 15,000 Sorry, 150,000 illegal border crossings. So 16 straight months of over 150,000 illegal border crossings. And the fact checkers couldn't even deny it. They had to come out and say, well, you know, we tried to, 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 to rate this false, but we just can't. We can't dispute it. So, you know, look, the trip was a farce. But the reason I wrote my article is because I'm very concerned that House Republicans and Speaker McCarthy are perhaps not prepared to deal with what's coming their way. Um, this is an important lesson at Drew University here about the tactics of the left. I want to explain that. This is a perfect opportunity to learn from the master himself. So the visit, despite the fact that they cleared things out for Biden, and there didn't seem to be a problem because it was staged. Well, it was still a strategic visit. You know how the leftist media works, right? They, they rely upon half-truths for their propaganda. So think about all the times that Peter Ducey has confront, confronted, for example, Corrine Jean-Pierre, or the Biden administration has been confronted about this, or the rare times it's even been brought up on CNN or MSNBC, et cetera, et cetera, about the border crisis. And one of the criticisms, even from the left, even from some of these propagandists for Biden, one of the big criticism that, criticisms that has continued to grow is that Joe Biden has not visited the southern border since he entered the Oval Office for two years. And he couldn't escape this. And it was really embarrassing. I mean, think about all the clips you may have seen played of Corrine Jean-Pierre. Just, just, I mean, it's, it's cringeworthy watching her try to address this. She can't answer the question. She can't cover for Biden because he hadn't visited the border. So she had no response for it. So this visit did at least solve one problem for the leftist media. Because the administration and the media is now going to spin this pathetic trip. They can now say that Biden has, in fact, visited the border. So this eliminates one of the central criticisms, growing criticisms of his administration and of Biden himself. You understand where I'm going with this? Are you tracking with me? So the Democrats understand and CNN and other left-wing outlets have reported on it. The illegal immigration problem is a political liability for Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, by the way, is very close to apparently announcing that he plans to run for a second term. Imagine that. The worst president in American history is now poised to run for office again, despite the fact that even Democrats don't want him to run. Now, what the Democrats are trying to do is to turn what they know to be a political liability into a political strength. And they're going to do this by unrolling their solution to the border crisis, despite creating it, despite ignoring it, 
despite despite enabling this illegal immigration crisis, they're now going to, and we've seen this leaking out little by little over the past few months. They're trying to blame the Republicans for this. Now, I want to I want to put this in perspective for you. The the, the Democratic Party, <clears throat> look, they're focused on elections right now. Yeah, there's a lot going on in the House and everything else, but if you don't remember anything else from this episode, remember remember this. The next two years are all about the 2024 presidential election and the other races that are going to take place. But everything is political. Everything is geared towards setting candidates up for their party platform, for their talking points, for the attack ads for 2024. That's what's going on. So a majority of Americans, they do believe that there is an invasion at the southern border. A majority of Americans use that word, believe that there is an invasion, that specific term, an invasion at the southern border. So the Democrats don't want to be blamed for this. They don't want this to become an issue for them in 2024. So here's where this goes. The Biden administration, when he first came into office, Joe Biden, he already unveiled essentially what the bill that he's asking Congress to pass with regards to reforming the immigration system. Well, those tenants are already in place. Those bullet points are in place. And I'll tell you what they are. I'll tell you what they are. But what they want to do is they want to legalize illegal immigration. That is the modernization of the immigration in America for the Democrats and Joe Biden. So what the Democrats are about to do is a tried and true tactic. They do this for everything. And if you can understand what they're doing here, you will begin to see them doing this all over the place constantly. And this is the strategy of the left, and it was codified in Saul Linsky's Rules for Radicals. Saul Linsky, right, the famous community organizer, he wrote a book in the 70s. Look, Saul Linsky, I mean, he is the, the is still the, the preeminent strategist of the modern existing iteration of the Democratic Party and what they do, right? And this guy's a good communist, a good Marxist, which is what the Democratic Party is today. They seek to foment revolution to secure power for themselves. So Alinsky wrote in his book, and I read this book once a year so that I am on top of it, so that I understand what the left is up to. So Alinsky wrote, The organizer's job, and look, by organizer, all the Democrats are organizers, community organizers, looking to agitate, looking to gain political power for themselves. The organizer's job is to inseminate an invitation for himself to agitate, introduce ideas, get people pregnant with hope and a desire for change, and to identify you as the person most qualified for this purpose. So let me translate. Democrats create problems. They blame Republicans for the problems they have created. And then the Democrats claim that they are the only ones, that they are uniquely qualified to solve it. And they present their solution and demand that their solution is the one that is unilaterally agreed upon to solve the problem. And of course, it's not going to solve the problem, but it's going to help the Democratic Party. So this is what the Democrats are doing with the border crisis. Biden, when he went down there, there was a tweet storm coming out, whoever was writing his tweets. And look, he's calling on Congress, Congress to solve the border crisis. And he's calling on them to solve this by passing his specific legislative plan, a plan that will do what? That will transform the border patrol from a border enforcement agency dedicated to preventing illegal immigration into a humanitarian organization dedicated to facilitating illegal entry into America. Do you understand that? He's changing the purpose of the border patrol. 
And like I said, his plan is going to effectively legalize illegal immigration. It's going to provide a pathway to citizenship, not only for the five plus million who have invaded this country under his administration, but even retroactively to those individuals who were deported or prevented from entry under the Trump administration going back to 2017. This is all in his plan. And have you noticed, by the way, the Democrats changing the language of an illegal immigrant, right? And the Democrats are masters at this. They understand language and its effectiveness. So illegal has a negative connotation, right? Illegal. It's lawless. It's something that should be disapproved of. And so you can't call these people illegals. You can't call them criminals because that implies that they are breaking the law and they should not be here, that they are doing something wrong and that we should, in fact, pass immigration laws or enforce existing immigration laws that, well, uphold the rule of law. So illegals have become migrants, have become asylum seekers. Now, this is key. This is key. The Democrats hope that by changing the language and referring to all of these criminal illegals as simply asylum seekers, right, that the force of public opinion will suddenly side with the Democrats and what they want to do. Look, these people, they're just seeking asylum from what? Well, they live in countries that aren't America. Well, America is a terrible place. Why would you invite them here? You guys hate America. They're asylum seekers. We have to grant them asylum. Asylum. No, we don't. And so Biden's concept of this modern immigration system, right, where he wants to go with this is one in which illegals, listen to me, illegals can apply for asylum from their own countries ahead of their treks. So a lot of the problem right now that's getting Joe Biden in trouble, it's not that Democrats really have an issue with illegal immigrants. The issue is that it's overwhelming the system in such a way that it looks bad. The optics are not good. We don't have enough detention centers. We don't have enough lawyers to help these people. And I don't want this, but this is what the Democrats do, right? They get these people in front of courts and they help process them. Well, there's too many to process under the current existing Democrat approved immigration system that is currently you know, operating. So Joe Biden's solution to this image is that basically he wants to say, look, if you're from one of these three or four countries, you know, Nicaragua, uh, Venezuela, whatever, there's a list of them. If you're from one of these countries, You just apply for asylum before you come. And then when you come here, the Border Patrol cannot prevent you from coming in. They will welcome you. They will invite you because, look, you're no longer an illegal immigrant. You applied for asylum ahead of time. We rubber stamped it. And so now all of these people flooding, crossing the Rio Grande, whatever, trying to come here, suddenly, oh, we've already granted them asylum. Step aside. Do you see how the Border Patrol's role is changing here? It's a humanitarian crisis. So they're inviting these people in. They're legalizing it. Nothing changed. These people have no right to be here. Oh, I'm an asylum seeker because of global warming or global cooling. The temperature was hot. I just can't stand it anymore. I got to get out of here and go to the U.S. where, you know, Martha's Vineyard is going to be underwater in the next five years. That'll be great. All right, so here's what I'm worried about with the Republicans, right? So House Republicans right now are the only obstacle standing in the way of Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. They are. The Democrats now have a majority in the Senate, and they have the executive branch. All we have, remember this, all we have is the House. That's it. Not a whole lot we can do legislatively. Understand that? So 
Biden and the Democrats are now prepared to put out their legislation to solve the border crisis. And it's going to do all the things that I just described to you. It's going to create an open border. It's going to legalize illegal immigration. But Democrats are going to say, look, we've got a solution out there. And you House Republicans, if you don't get on board, you're obstructing. You're responsible for what's going on at the border. Look how bad it is. Biden's finally acknowledging it. And it's your fault. It's your fault because you refuse to pass legislation to address it, which we've handed you. We've given you the legislation. All you have to do is vote for it. And the Democratic Party and their propagandist media are going to pile on against Speaker McCarthy and against the Republicans in the House. They're going to label them all the usual names. They're going to accuse them of all the usual terrible things. And they're going to say that Democrats are the party trying to reform illegal immigration, reform the border, fix things, solve the crisis that they created. And if Republicans aren't prepared and Speaker McCarthy isn't prepared to combat this verbally with arguments, well, we're in a lot of trouble because they're going to run on this in 2024 and they're going to paint Republicans as people that are responsible for the border crisis, which already a majority of Americans believe is an invasion. Do you see where this is going? Do you see the sick game the Democrats play? And Republicans, sadly, are repeatedly incapable of playing the game. They're outmaneuvered, outstrategized. And I'm just warning people right now, this is what is coming down the chain. It'll be here before you know it. And you'll say, my gosh, Drew Allen was right. If only he was Speaker of the House. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm like Jim Jordan. I like being behind the microphone. I don't want it. So anyway... And, and look, here's the thing, too. McCarthy, he, he's previously vowed, you know, when he came out of committee, right? Because, you know, what people have to remember before the 15 votes for him to become speaker, you know, a small committee, a conference, they did vote, um, you know, for McCarthy to, to, to essentially be the speaker down the road when they voted on it. And back then, when, you know, the word on the street was Speaker McCarthy's our guy. This is back in November of last year, I believe, not too long ago. But he said the first thing you'll see is a bill to control the border first. And McCarthy, by the way, he said repeatedly that, um, you know, look, I mean, there's not going to be any kind of border deal, no kind of immigration bill unless the border is secure. Now, the thing with half-truths here that I'm concerned about is one of the ways Biden is trying to solve the optics of the border problem is by basically saying, you know, we're going to allow 30,000 illegals, he'll call them asylum seekers, but we're going to allow 30,000 in per month. So he's trying to control the flow. Control the flow. Now, it's it's not really controlled. 30,000 is an insane number that he's even reaching for. But what he's saying is, look, we'll let you all in here. We're not telling you to go home. We're just saying, you know, let's spread it out a little bit more because the optics don't look good. We can't process you. So let's just have illegal immigration, but a little bit more orderly. So 30000 a month can come in here. So you might see that scene disappear a little bit. And you might see the optics change. You might see the language around it change from the media because they're controlling it, right? So my problem is if the Democrats successfully spin this and say, look, we are solving the border, open border. It's not open anymore. I mean, it is open, but you see how they play with the language and what they're doing? And my problem is I am fearful. Look, I'm hopeful this doesn't happen, but I'm fearful the speaker... McCarthy might try, might try to make a deal with Democrats. There can be no compromise. There can be no deal with Democrats regarding any of this. And that's what troubled me, by the way, when I saw Speaker McCarthy's acceptance speech. And look, whether you're a never, whether you were a never in the never Kevin caucus or the only Kevin caucus, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. Now we're, he's the speaker. All right. So here we are. And by the way, um, Man, I'm so disappointed still in so many of the older crowd, I should say, of the conservatives that are really, really giants in this industry. Look, I don't discount them. They've got great things to say still, but just it was a moment of disappointment for me because they they just they didn't see any value to what these 20 holdouts were doing. They didn't see any value to it. I mean, they just immediately... I mean, they went for the media narrative. It's like they, they stopped thinking critically for a moment. 
And they just attacked these 20 from the very, very beginning, from the outset. And it bothered me because you know what? If these 20 holdouts hadn't done what they did, we wouldn't have some very, very important concessions made. And by the way, the country's here right now. Hakeem Jeffries is not the Speaker of the House. I mean, I, I just want you to remember this too, because this is the way the media functions. They've always got to get you riled up about something. And everyone was freaking out. You know, the, 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 the Democrats out there, oh, look how messy the Republicans are, how disunited they are, how un incapable they are of governing because of this debate they're having in the House. They didn't elect, you know, Speaker McCarthy in the first round like we do. This is the end for the Republican Party. Do you remember all that, Captain? I mean, the media was, 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 was basically saying this is the end for the Republican Party. Um, go ahead and cue up cut two, Captain. So I just want you to understand how pathetic and worthless the media is in this country and why you should never, ever listen to any propagandist without it going through me first. And I'll explain why. Because they set this expectation, they set this narrative that many of us bought into, including conservatives that were saying, oh, you know, like Crenshaw, these guys are terrorists holding the country hot. No, they weren't. No, they weren't. In the end, we're stronger for this. We're better for it. But you wouldn't know it for many people on our side who are basically repeating the parod parodying the talking points of the left. So keep in mind all the language, all the hyperbole from the media about how you know, Republicans, this 15 vote fiasco that it just, it showed a disunited Republican party that's ineffective and can't lead. So go ahead and play and cut, cut two. This is CNN. Now listen to what they're saying after Speaker McCarthy's been elected speaker. See it that way? Some of these people are principled. Some of these people, yeah. this was just about attention. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Chip and I'll, I will agree. He is very consistent in his radicalism in many ways. But some of the things that he's put forward could make the body better. But I also agree with what Catherine said earlier, which is that don't be fooled by the smokescreen here about process. They are united in what they want to do on the policy, which is to hold the American people hostage over the debt ceiling. They've been saying that for months, and that's not an establishment right wing. There's no disagreement there. They're in total agreement around that. And just going back to January 6th really quickly, uh, you know, McCarthy became speaker the morning of the 7th, really the day of the 6th. He said nothing about the attack on the Capitol. I think it's an insult to the Capitol Police who kept him and us alive that day. I think it's an indicator of what kind of speaker he's gonna be. Well, maybe I'll get into the January 6th comments in a minute. I mean, that, these people are a disgrace. You know, Ashley Babbitt was murdered by a uh, Capitol Police officer, Lieutenant Byrd, um, who was an absolute disgrace. You know, I've mentioned it before, but this is a guy who should have been fired from that job long ago. He left a loaded gun in a bathroom while he was on duty. Are you aware of this? I mean, for all, I mean, think back for just a moment. Think back for just a moment to, um, you know what, Captain? I blocked his name out of my mind. No, no, not, yeah, the, the, uh, you know, the guy that bi built murals to all over America, right? The big hero. Derek Chauvin was the police officer who, uh, what, what's, what's the guy's name? The left can't imagine. They're, they're losing their minds right now. How could I forget? It's like forgetting the name of Jesus Christ. But uh, I don't worship these people. What's that? Yeah, yeah, there we go. George Floyd. George Floyd. Oh, man. Can you imagine the heads exploding, Captain? I mean, George Floyd, he's like George Washington. You know, it's like Benjamin Franklin, Abraham Lincoln, even, you know, you can't forget. He should be up on Mount Rushmore, this guy. Um, but anyway, my point in drawing the comparison is that, you know, Derek Chauvin, who, of course, is spending his life in prison now um, for, uh, you know, excessive force, you know, 
accused of murder, murdering in the second degree or whatever, George Floyd. Okay, whatever, you know, it, it, it happened. It's a tragedy. You know, things happen. I don't know. It's unbelievable. They made it about race and everything else. It had nothing to do with that. But my, my point is, you know, I, I'm okay with saying that, you know, um, Derek Chauvin made a mistake. I'm okay saying that he should have, you know, listened to him crying out. He should have been careful. I, I'm fine saying he was irresponsible. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of reports that Derek Chauvin had a history of, of excessive use of force, that he was kind of a bully. Whatever. You know, there's bad cops out there. There are. And, you know, Lieutenant Byrd, who shot and murdered Ashley Babbitt, um, he's no different than Derek Chauvin. No different at all. Irresponsible. Had a history of, of just negligence on the job. And... Shouldn't have been able to carry a firearm, a loaded firearm. I mean, there were no other shootings that day, no other, no other uh, unnatural deaths, only, only Ashley Babbitt. She was the only unnatural death that day, and she was murdered and shot by this guy. And it's a disgrace that the media has yet to utter a word about what happened to Ashley Babbitt. Uh, they want to put up statues, you know, to George Floyd. And they do not care at all about what happened to Ashley Babbitt, who served her country, by the way, who's a veteran of our military. And every account you read about Ashley Babbitt, by the way, from her family, from publicly available records, from friends, from her husband, well, she was an outstanding person. Never got into trouble. Unlike George Floyd, who was a monster, an absolute monster, a history of violence, abuse against women, pregnant women even. He was a criminal, a career criminal. And that's fine. You can feel sympathy for the family. But the fact that because Ashley Babbitt was there on J6 and that it doesn't serve their narrative, that they have to pretend like she didn't exist. It's just it, it makes me sick. It makes me sick. But anyway, the first part of what he said there, now the Republican Party, you know what, play it again, Captain. Play cut two, just just play it through the part where he talks about the unity and then cut. we'll cut it off. Cut two, go. See it that way? Some of these people are principled. Some of these people, yeah. this was just about attention. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm friends with Chip, and I'll, I will agree. He is very consistent in his radicalism in many ways. But some of the things that he's put forward could make the body better. But I also agree with what Catherine said earlier, which is that don't be fooled by the smokescreen here about process. They are united in what they want to do on the policy, which is to hold the American people hostage. Oh, my! did you hear that? Did my ears betray me, Captain? Did he not just say it's a smokescreen? They are united. What? But I thought, but I thought that the Democrat, that the Republicans were just in shambles. I mean, that's what they told us for the past week. And now all of a sudden they're united. Don't be don't don't be fooled by us who told you they weren't united. We're telling you now they're united. I, I, I got to tell you, the IQs of these people that go on CNN and MSNBC and play dress up and, you know, put their makeup on. And I mean, these are these are the dumbest Americans uh, in this country, and they're the ones tasked with uh, having an opinion that's supposed to serve you. That's supposed to tell. This is why they have no viewers, and that's why podcasts, radio, conservative hosts, up and coming people, myself. That's why we grow. That's why we grow because we fill the void. Because you know we have more intelligence in our pinky finger than these people have in their entire bodies. So anyway, now, something else he mentioned there, by the way, if you caught it, he's talking about the debt ceiling specifically. Now, I, I'm not looking at the news right now. I, I don't care. I, I expect that these, these rules um, that they're going to pass, I, I, I expect them to go through. Th these are some of the concessions that were made um, by McCarthy. And now the, the House Republicans have to vote on the rules. Right? The rules are everything in the House, by the way. It's just, it's how things get done. It's how you can strategize. But one of the things that is supposed to happen if this, if these rules pass, one of the things that McCarthy agreed to was getting rid of the Gephardt rule. 
Now, the Gephardt rule, it's been around for a while. Uh, it was changed under the Democrat control of the House under Nancy Pelosi, you know, over the last few years. The Gephardt rule is the elimination of a debt ceiling. That, that, that's what it amount to, amounts to. So the way this works in the House, the House never votes to raise the debt ceiling. It's just suspended. So it's like, it's like if some credit card company gave you a credit card and that credit card had no debt limit. It's an unlimited credit card. And the credit card company never says a word to you. They never veto you. You just spend and spend and spend. And let's let's say there was a limit on your credit card and it was $10,000. Well, you hit $10,000 and it just, it's gone. So you just spend into oblivion. That's what the Gephardt rule did. The Gephardt rule didn't require a separate vote to raise the debt ceiling. And remember, the Democrats and rhinos, they love the debt ceiling. They, they love the way this operates because they can spend in perpetuity. And because they don't actually have to vote to raise the debt ceiling to pass a budget, it's not really in the news. The American people don't really hear any debate about what the debt is, what a threat that is to the American people. So this is a mechanism by which a rule that has allowed the House to repeatedly pass these insane bills like the omnibuses and everything else that just continue to spend into oblivion without any consequence. They don't have to go on the record and answer for the fact that they are destroying the futures of not only you and me, but our children and grandchildren. They're not held accountable. And so what the Republicans are demanding here, if they go through with this and change the rule, is they're going to get rid of the Gephardt rule. So in the future, there have to be two votes. You have to vote on a budget. And you have to vote to raise the debt ceiling to a specific amount to accommodate. So you can't have this runaway spending anymore. You have to vote for permission to pass a budget that exceeds what the debt is currently. And that's what Democrats apparently are so fearful of. They might have to vote to raise the... Imagine that. Isn't that so controversial? So controversial. Our elected representatives in the House will have to slow down. We'll have to go on the record. We'll have to vote to spend more money and increase the national debt. So that's what's going on with that. Um, you know, oh yeah, 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 we can, we can go live. Oh, gotcha. Okay, I've got it. I've got it up on the screen here. So we we do have the live feed here of what's going on on Congress. You can see uh, debating the, the the House rules. What's going to happen there? We'll see what happens. I expect it to go through. Do you, Captain? I mean, this is really the first test of unity, if you will. You know, I I don't. I think for all the talk, all the hyperbole regarding you know McCarthy and the fifteen uh, votes required to get him there. I, I don't think they're going to squander this. I mean, they're past this. You know, I, th- I think they understand they need to show a united front here. And all this stuff is good for the American people. Oh, you know what I was going to tell you? One of the things, so for all these people out there that were attacking, um, attacking the holdouts, well, here's the victory. Here's a, here's a couple of the victories that you got out of this. And think about this. Think about the fact that this was not, I, I, look, I can't explain why this wasn't already on the agenda items. I don't understand why this had to come up, come up as, a, as a required concession. I don't know why this was even uh, controversial for the Republicans. But two subcommittees are going to be created because of the holdouts. One's going to be in the House Judiciary Committee, and the other's going to be in the House Oversight Committee. And it's going to create, well, this was confirmed, by the way, by John Solomon's outfit, just the news, just a hat tip. So the House will pass a resolution uh, establishing a select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government as a select investigative subcommittee of the Committee on the Judiciary. That's a lot of words, isn't it? 
That's, that's, a, that's a mouth. Let me read that again. The House will pass a resolution establishing a select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government as a select investigative subcommittee of the Committee on the Judiciary. You know who I'd like to hear read that? I bet Hakeem Jeffries could do a great job. Did you hear his, his speech? They're calling him Dr. Seuss. You know what? Play it. I want you to hear this because this is a joke. The left is, of course, claiming that Hakeem Jeffries gave this brilliant speech. I, I, I mean, it, it's like... It's like if he was a, a Z-list wannabe rapper that couldn't get a record deal. I, I mean, this guy thought he was at an open mic at a wine bar. That's what this guy thought he was doing. He, he didn't realize that he was in the house. He didn't realize he was in the chamber. He thought he was at a karaoke night. All right, go ahead and play uh, cut three. We'll always put American values over autocracy. Benevolence over bigotry. The Constitution over the cult, democracy over demagogues, economic opportunity over extremism, freedom over fascism, governing over gaslighting, hopefulness over hatred, inclusion over isolation, justice over judicial overreach, knowledge over kangaroo courts, liberty over limitation, maturity over Mar-a-Lago, normalcy over negativity, opportunity over obstruction, people over politics, quality of life issues over QAnon, reason over racism, substance over slander, triumph over tyranny, understanding over ugliness, voting rights over voter suppression, working families over the well-connected, xenial over xenophobia, yes we can over you can't do it, and zealous representation over zero-sum confrontation. We will always do the right thing. I mean, that's that's embarrassing. I mean, I, I, I just, the Constitution, I think he said over the coal. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what he said because he couldn't find another C. You know, he had to make a C with a C. He was pairing them up, so he was limiting himself there. The Constitution over the coal. Maturity over Mar-a-Lago. Anyway, these are your Democrats for you. I mean, you, he, you know, I, when, I, when I heard that, Captain, I thought, you know, he's got an Obama thing going on. And I don't mean that in a complimentary way. W when I say somebody has an Obama thing going on, it means that in reality, they're losers. In reality, they are not cool. In reality, they are fools. But they, they have this kind of demeanor about them. It's like, it's, it's like they're in the Truman Show. You know? This guy thinks he's like some big, big dog, some really cool guy. And he doesn't realize that everyone around him is an actor. And furthermore, he doesn't realize that all of us are watching this saying, What an idiot. Maturity over Mar-a-Lago. I, 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 I mean, anyway. But yeah, I was a little concerned. Speaker McCarthy, this guy, by the way, Kevin McCarthy got up there and I'm not going to attack him for his, his speech. You know, I mean, look, um, you know, I attack when it's necessary and relevant uh, and when it has purpose. Um, you know, Kevin McCarthy's speech is what I would expect. It wasn't, it wasn't potent. It wasn't powerful. I, I think he missed the mark and missed the moment. I mean, but, you know... I, as long as he follows through and does things, I don't care much about the speech. But, you know, Hakeem Jeffries gets up there and, and he uses his time to, to absolutely just insult people. Uh, do we still have video, Captain? Is it still running? Okay. Sorry about that. We got, you know, uh, things you don't need to concern yourselves with out there in the audience. Um, but, you know, McCarthy got up there uh, after Jeffries just, you know, dunked on Republicans you know, basically said they're not going to. I mean, he got up there and he said that they're not going to um, make any concessions. That, 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 you know, they're the principled people and they're not going to gonna, gonna um, uh, reach across the aisle. I mean, that's basically what he said. I mean, uh, and then McCarthy gets up there and compliments Jeffries. And I just, I just hope that he understands the situation we're in because there can't be any compromise. And that's the problem. Joe Biden and the Democrats are trying to set up the narrative that Republicans just refuse to compromise. But it's Democrats who never compromise. 
And so Republicans need to take that talking point and push it out there. When was the last time Democrats compromised on anything? Republicans should be pushing forward as much legislation that is as conservative as possible and then accusing the Democrats of obstructing, accusing Joe Biden of not working with them. Well, as usual, let's see. All right. Oh, you know what? I just want to explain something, too. I haven't heard anybody else talk about this. You know, they keep talking about um, the church committee, right? The church committee. The, 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 the holdouts wanted a church-like committee. The church committee, um, you know, this goes back to the 70s. You know, Frank Church, uh, he was a Democrat, actually. <clears throat> and he was not really liked by the Democrats for this. But uh, it was a committee that he chaired back in 1975, and it was a 16-month investigation. And, you know, it included 126 committee meetings, 40 subcommittee hearings, 150 staff members, and 800 witness interviews. And what this was devoted to doing was uncovering uh, intelligence operations that had been unknown to both Congress and the public. And I'll, I'll tell you why this is relevant right now to what we're talking about. So here's a few things, by the way, that this uncovered. The U.S. had made assassination attempts on Fidel, Fidel Castro, right? The president of Cuba, well, dictator. Rafael Trujillo of the Dominican Republic. Prime Minister Patrice Lumumba of the Democratic Republic of Congo. These are assassination attempts by America. The Congress was unaware of, that the American people were unaware of. Covert operations. I mean, and, and the point is, if you think that the FBI was not somehow involved on January 6th or that U.S. intel cannot be involved in what's happening in Brazil right now, trying to paint these protesters as insurrectionists, just like they did here, you have to be naive. This happened prior to 1975. This is what your CIA was up to prior to 1975, and the church committee found it out. Cointel Pro. You know what that was? Covert operations by the FBI to infiltrate and discredit domestic organizations that it considered subversive, such as civil rights activists, feminists, environmentalists, protesters of the Vietnam War, and communists. Interesting, huh? How about Project Mockingbird? That was the CIA recruitment of journalists to spread propaganda through the American media. 50 journalists officially worked for and with the, F with the CIA. Another 400 had carried out CIA assignments. Look, this happens today directly between the Democratic Party proper and the media. Look at the Twitter files that are coming out. Adam Schiff, by the way, Adam Schiff, who's out there calling for criminal investigations along with Pelosi into Donald Trump's involvement in what's happening in Brazil. Adam Schiff was actually shot down by Twitter for asking them to censor journalists he didn't like. He's a U.S. congressman sworn to protect and defend the Constitution, which includes the Bill of Rights, which includes the freedom of free speech. And you have Adam Schiff going to Twitter, lobbying for a social media platform, a private company, while well, a publicly held company, but a non-government entity to censor free speech. This is the banana republic we live in. And these are the people accusing Trump of J6 and so on and so forth. What are these people not capable of? So anyway, Project Mockingbird, you know, church committee found this out. CIA actually spreading propaganda like Adolf Hitler with Goebbels. You got Project MKUltra. That one a lot of people know about. Remember the CIA experimented on American citizens, unbeknownst to the American citizens, with uh, high doses of LSD and other drugs. They gave them to them to see if these individuals became more susceptible to brainwashing techniques or interrogation. So basically they carried out these experiments. Oh man, it makes me think of like the COVID-19 vaccine pandemic. Oh man, I shouldn't go there. I'm going to upset half my audience. You know what? Speaking of uh, the COVID vaccines, you know what? You know what's amazing to me? You know, 
We do have a, a, a situation that we should be concerned about here in the U.S. with young people dropping dead of heart conditions. Th- th- this really is unprecedented. And just if you care about life, right? If you care about our children, can we not ask questions about why this seems to be happening now when it didn't happen in the past? This, th- this is new. This did not happen in the past. And of course, we saw it most recently on the football field. On a Monday night football game. And the amazing thing was the media rushed to say that to to say that his vaccination could not possibly have contributed or caused it. Why? Do we know that certifiably? I mean, look, I, I hope the vaccine's great for some people. I hope, you know, but I look, I I'll have to do a whole episode on this, Captain. I haven't really weighed in on this. I want to do it the right way. Look, and, and I think the reason it's hard for some people, well, even myself, to, to really address this in a certain way. No, I'm not a coward about it. There's a lot of stuff going on, okay? But look, I, I have friends and family that are vaccinated. So, you know, my point is not to sit here and make some, but I don't want to do that, Captain. Does that make sense? You know, I mean, the same way that I was treated for not being vaccinated, I, I, I'm not looking to return the favor on at least the people that weren't hostile to me that just made a different decision than me. Now, the, 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 the people that called for the lockdowns and the vaccine mandates, those guys can go to hell. You're dealing with a Texas Drew, you know, 1886, 1883 Drew here, you know, that's a, a remnant of the American West. Um, but, you know, go, go, ahead, go ahead and queue up cut four, Captain. I, I just want you to listen with an open mind and hear this. This is Project Veritas. You'll hear it all explained. But this is somebody who worked for Pfizer back in 2021 who admitted that they were actually worried about the vaccine causing heart problems, especially in young people. This is coming from Pfizer, a Pfizer uh, employee himself. Go ahead and play it. Cut four. Go. Chris Croce is a senior associate scientist with Pfizer. He goes on to explain a test that is currently taking place at Pfizer, not to determine the effectiveness, but to see if it is leading to heart attacks. I'm glad you didn't get any um, myocarditis. That's a concern, right? More so for younger people. Why? That's what we're looking into right now. Oh, cool. So, um, yeah, we're... During, we just sent like 3,000 patient samples mm-hmm. to get tested for like elevated troponin levels yeah. um, to see if it's vaccine-based or mm-hmm. so. What's it look like? I don't know. We're, we just sent that over this past week and the last batch will be sent over next week. All external testing. We'll see. Hopefully it's good. Because, well, no. I mean, if not, then, my opinion, that might pull something from the market. Look, based on my, as objective as possible, study, understanding, just using my brain and eyes to monitor the situation with the vaccine and Pfizer and their conduct, I cannot help but be honest with you and conclude um, that this is one of the most egregious violations in terms of ethics in, in, in American history. Um, I mean, you, you and look, this is the same company, by the way, that when they told you and Biden told you, the Democrats told you that you could not get COVID if you were vaccinated. While they were telling you that, Pfizer had admitted that they had not done a single study to determine if the vaccine actually did prevent the contraction of COVID. And so pardon me if I am reluctant, if I am hesitant to believe the individuals who are responsible for lying to us for years and years. And Pfizer has a history, which I'll have to get into another time, of lying about their products too. And so, I mean, this is just corrupt. I mean, the same way money's poured into Ukraine from the American taxpayer, the money that we poured into Pfizer and these companies to fund all of this, it will be devastating 
It would be devastating for them if it came out and they had to admit that, yes, in some select young people, it causes myocarditis. Now, that should, you know, but that alone, they're trying to cover up. I just, they absolutely are. And I, you know, I'm very concerned about this. Uh, we should all be concerned about this, and this shouldn't be a political issue. This should be an issue that we address as concerned human beings. We should be allowed to ask questions, and we should be able to have conversations about it. All right, tomorrow, Captain and I will be back with you for round two. We'll get into uh, what's happening in Brazil, Captain. Does that sound good? And whatever else unfinished business we have. All right, God bless you all. This is the Millennial Minister of Truth. And uh, until tomorrow, Americans. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Drew Allen. Allen. Conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.